You're listening to Ari Goldweg's Parsha podcast, recorded in Ramat Beit Shemesh, Israel, 5768-2007. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Toldos. In this week's Parsha, we learn about the generations of Yitzchak, the children of Yitzchak and Rivka, after 20 years of waiting, after many, many prayers, after many tears. They finally had two children, Yaakov and Esav. And Rivka was told before the two children were born, she was told by a prophet, that these two children would fight with each other. Rav Yavot Sa'ir, the older one, would serve the younger one. Rivka knew from the onset that the greater of the two would be Yaakov, the younger one. However, Yitzchak did not know this. He wasn't aware of this. Because Rivka did not reveal the prophecy, as was their custom, she did not reveal the prophecy to Yitzchak, to Isaac. Therefore, as they continued to grow, Isaac believed that Esav indeed was the greater of the two. In fact, Part of the reason that he believed this, says Rabbi Victor Miller, was because Esav was a stronger man, he was a greater man, he was, he was born very mature looking. And Yitzhak believed, Isaac believed that indeed Esav, Esau, was the one who was the greater of the two. In fact, Rashi says on the verse, in chapter 25, verse 27, that as the children grew older, Esav was an ish yodeyat sayid, a person who knew how to hunt. That's what it means literally. Rashi explains that actually what it means, another explanation is, that he knew how to hunt his father. In other words, he knew how to trick his father. Rashi says, et aviv. He knew how to trick his father, befiv, with his mouth. Vishoalo, he would ask his father, how do I take off meiser, how do I take off the tithe on salt and on straw? So his father thought from these questions that indeed Esav was very careful in mitzvahs in, in, in observing the commandments. And therefore, Yitzchak believed, Isaac believed that Esau, that Esau was indeed greater. As the story continues, we see more examples of the fact that Esau was not the greatest of people. His character was not the greatest caliber. In the next part of the story, we see that Esau comes in, and as Chazal tell us, our sages tell us that it was the day that Abraham died, and Isaac was cooking a bowl of lentil soup, because when someone dies heaven forbid, so they, they make food that's round because the roundness of the food represents the cycle of life. So Yaakov, Jacob, has this bowl of soup and Esav says to him, please would you give me some of that soup? And Jacob, interestingly, says back to him, I will give you the soup, but you have to give me your firstborn rights. Now what was involved in the firstborn rights? So in those days, the way it worked was that whoever was the firstborn of the family, he had the rights to bring a korban, a sacrifice to God. Now Esav, he wasn't interested in this spirituality stuff. And he said, give me the soup, you take the firstborn rights, you can keep it. I don't need that. That's the second part of the story. And the third part of the story that we can discuss is when Isaac gets older and he realizes that he's getting older and he feels that his strength is weakening and it's perhaps going to be the time that he should die. He didn't know. And he decides, he says to Esav, he says to Esau, I want you to go out and get me some food and uh, I want to give you the blessing. Now this blessing was a very special blessing. It wasn't just any ordinary blessing as if there are ordinary blessings from such great tzaddikim, such righteous people. But we're talking about the blessing of who will be the progenitor of the people of Israel, who will be the father of the people of Israel. And Isaac genuinely believed that Esau was the one who was going to be the progenitor of Klai Israel, of the people of Israel. He didn't realize that Isaac that Jacob was the greater of the two. So he sends out Esau, Esau and he says to him, go bring me back some food 
in order that I can bless you and give you the, the blessing of the firstborn. And Rebecca hears what's going on and she knows what's going on. She knows that Isaac is about to give the blessing to the wrong kid. And she tells Jacob, now is the time to act. It's now or never. You must get that blessing because you are going to be the real progenitor of the people of Israel. You have to act now. Pretend that you're Esau. And it's very interesting, as Rav Vigdor Miller points out, because how is Jacob allowed to lie? He said, I am Esau. I am your firstborn Esau. How is he allowed to lie? And the truth is that in the Torah we find that the truth and, the, and, truth and falsehood don't per se mean exactly what happened. Because there are times when you're supposed to lie. You're mechuyiv to lie. You must lie. Simple example. If someone comes to you and says, I'm, going to, I'm looking for Joe to kill him. So you have to lie. You have to say, I don't know where Joe is. You have to lie. There's no mitzvah. There's no commandment to tell the truth in a case where someone's going to die. And in fact, when you tell the, when you, if you tell the lie, it's really telling the truth because you're causing something evil to happen. Truth is bringing about the ultimate good. Sheker, falsehood is bringing about the ultimate evil. And that's how Jacob was allowed to lie. But anyway, so what happens... Jacob steals the blessing. He gets the blessing because he's the one that's destined to be the progenitor of the people of Israel. And Esau comes into the room. And Isaac just still doesn't realize that Jacob was the one who had just come in and received the blessing. And Esau comes in and says, where's my blessing? I want my blessing. And Isaac realizes that he gave the blessing to Jacob. And Esau realizes that he gave the blessing to Jacob. And Esau starts to scream. And he gets so upset. Now a simple question that strikes you right away is why was Esau so upset? Didn't he realize that he wasn't going to be the progenitor of the people of Israel? Did he honestly think that he was good enough to be the progenitor of the people of Israel? I mean, come on. We're talking about Esau, the guy who ran out and he was busy in the fields. He never listened to his parents while Jacob was sitting at home in the tent studying the Torah, studying the laws, studying from his parents, learning all the good things from his parents. And Esau was never home. He was never listening to his parents. He didn't listen to his parents. He, he married two women who were Benos Kenan, women from the, the Canaanite nations, and they, they caused horrible anguish to his parents. He wasn't on the ball. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. How could he believe that he was supposed to get the blessing, the blessing from Abraham and Isaac, the blessing to be the progenitor of the people of Israel, the chosen people of God? And I think there's a tremendous lesson to learn from this whole story, this whole picture that we see that Esau painted himself of himself. The whole picture was a picture of self-deception. He really believed when he went to ask Isaac, should I take off tithes on salt? Should I take off tithes on straw? He really believed that he was being a righteous person. Because don't forget, Esau, Esau did indeed grow up in the house of tremendously righteous people. However, he wasn't really on the level that he believed that he was on. And that was his mistake. And interestingly, Isaac himself was also fooled. Because Esau, for all intents and purposes, the way I understand it, wasn't really putting on a show. He really believed that he was besatered, that he was okay, that he was really great. But in reality, it was completely false. Now I'd like to point out something else about this whole story. Because we see something very interesting in Chazal. Our sages tell us that Esau, Esau, is considered a Yisrael Mumer. He's considered a Jew, a Jew who left the path. Meaning that it was possible and Esau had the ability to take all of his kaychas, all of his abilities, all of his talents and use them for good. He chose with his own bechirah chofshit, with his own free will, to go on his own path in life. 
and to ignore the words of his parents and to ignore the advice of Yitzchak, his father, his great righteous father Isaac and his great righteous mother Rebecca. And he chose to go on his own path and do his own thing. And that's where it led him. And the self-deception, the idea that he himself believed that he was okay, that he was doing the right things, he was very righteous in his own eyes. He was asking, how do I tie the salt? How do I tie the straw? But the truth is, that's all it was. Self-deception. Just a lie. Rational lies. He was rationalizing. He believed that he was doing the right thing, but he was really not. And that's why when, he, when we come to the end of the story, what happens, the verse says, When Esau comes and he realizes that it was Yaakov, that Jacob had, had stolen the blessings, he shook greatly, mightily. Who was the one that brought it before? He's going to be blessed. I gave him the blessing. He got the blessing. It was really right. And he realized his mistake. All along, Isaac realized, he was mistaken with his understanding of Esau. Esau was indeed tricking him the whole time. And Esau still at this point doesn't realize his mistake. He screams out, Give me a blessing too, my father. What about me? I also should get a blessing. Why couldn't... Why couldn't, if, if both of them were meant to be the progenitors of the people of Israel, they, they both could have been, right? So why didn't Isaac give a blessing right there? Why didn't he say, I'm going to give you a blessing also? Because Isaac already realized that Esau was not the person, was not the correct person, not the progenitor of Klal Yisrael. And that is why he said to him, there's only one bracha, there's only one real bracha. Because he realized the truth that Esau was not the correct one, and there was a self-deception on Esau's part on him, for himself, and there was a deception that he had created, albeit unintentionally, but there was a deception that Isaac had been deceived as well. Now the lessons that we see from this whole story are rather obvious, but we need to hear them anyway because we need to internalize these ideas. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Hashem, God, places before every single one of us a choice in life. We can choose to do good, or we can choose to do evil. Of course, there are many stages in between, there are many levels, but ultimately, the choice is, are we going to try to come close to God with all of our heart and all of our soul, or are we going to just give in to our physical desires? And so many times we'll tell ourselves, yes, I'm being religious, I'm trying my best, I'm really trying my best, but we're putting on a show for ourselves. And so many times we'll say to ourselves, yes, I'm, I'm really, look at me, I, I do this, I do that, I'm really great. But the truth is, you know how you can really tell what happens at home? What happens when you walk in your house? How do you behave towards your wife? How do you behave towards your kids? That's the real litmus test. That's where you really see who you really are. Because you could look very righteous on the surface. You could look very righteous outside. But how do you treat your family? That's the real sign of a great person. A person who's, who treats his family with respect, with love. They're, they're stuck with you for all intents and purposes and you still treat them with respect, and you still take care of them, you still worry about them, and you still have an open ear to them, not quick to anger. These are difficult things, you know, everyone has their ordeals. But Lamaisa, when it comes down to it, bottom line, how we behave at home, how we behave with our family, is really who we really are. Do we stop when we're in the base medrash, when we're in the kolel, when we're, when we're in the synagogue, we come out of the bathroom, we say Asher Yotzar, we thank God for that all of our functions are working, pro working properly. We say it with such kavan and we say it with so much intent. What happens when we, when we come out of the bathroom at home? The blessings that we say when we're in public, they're very 
holy, very beautiful. When we're in front of the Torah, we get an aliyah. We say it with such heartfelt emotion. But what happens in the morning when we're putting on our tefillin, we're putting on our talis, rushing through the brachos of Torah, rushing through the blessings on the Torah? We, we can't fool ourselves. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have to know who we really are. We have to be honest with ourselves and we have to try our best. And that's what Hashem wants. That's what God wants. He wants us to try our best to come close to Him. I want to share with you one last thought that somebody shared with me today in the name of Rav Shimshon David Pincus. A beautiful story with a beautiful message. And it really connects to what we were talking about just now. There's a story about a great Rav, a rabbi, who would go to America from Israel and uh, he would go to speak in a certain synagogue, and he would be very careful as he was speaking. Every time he said a name like Avraham, he would make sure to translate it into Abraham. And any time he said anything in Hebrew, he would make sure that he would translate it so it was very understandable to anybody who didn't understand Hebrew. And after the speech, so he came down from the podium, and someone came over to greet him and said, That was such a beautiful speech, it was so wonderful. And I saw how careful you were to translate every single Hebrew word. And the rabbi said, thank you. The rabbi said, thank you so much. And the person who was listening said, you know, there was just one word that you didn't translate, I didn't understand in the speech. And the rabbi said, oh, which word was that? He said, well, you kept saying HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What's HaKadosh Baruch Hu? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is God. If you don't translate the word God, and God's out of the picture, heaven forbid, if God's not part of the program, you miss the whole the whole speech. You miss the whole the whole deal. If Hashem, if if God is not in our thoughts when we're saying brachos, when we're saying blessings, if God is not in our thoughts when we're doing mitzvahs, when we're doing the commandments, when we're trying to do the halacha, we're trying our best to come close. If we're not trying to come close to Hashem, then we're missing the point. That's the lesson. That's what we see. The main thing is to try our best to always come close to Hashem and not to fool ourselves as Esau did, as Esau did. I want to wish you a very good Shabbos. Thank you so much for listening. Any questions or comments, Ari Goldwag at gmail.com.